you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Hello and welcome to another bonus off-season episode of Wannabe Walk-Ons, a Nebraska football and craft beer podcast. I'm Drew, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ben. Thanks, Drew. Each episode, we will sample beers, both local and beyond, while sharing our unique brand of Husker Insight. We encourage you to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Wannabe Walk-Ons for the most up-to-date show information. And please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform or stream each episode on wannabewalkons.com. New episodes drop during the Nebraska football season every Tuesday at 11 a.m. On this week's episode, Drew and I share our thoughts on the Huskers' red-white game while sampling some home brew from Drew's Garage. I'm Ben. And I'm Drew. And this is Wannabe Walk-Ons. So, Drew, how is the long, long, long off-season treating you? It's long, It's long, like you said. <laughs> um, luckily, we had the spring game yesterday yeah. um, as of this recording, and so that kind of helps break things up a little bit, maybe like juices you up a little, yeah. gets you excited for what's to come. Cracks the nut of monotony. Yeah, yeah, that's a saying. The good old monotony <laughs> nut. <laughs> So yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's been dragging on. I I use the off season as like an opportunity to you know dive into some other interests outside of Nebraska football. Like what? Well, like I'll do brewing and stuff. I've got some uh, some like family games that we do. It's kind of like Dungeons and Dragons, so I get to, like nerd out a little bit. Sure. I'm trying to learn some Spanish. Uh, I'm I'm doing some stuff with my kids like artistically, where we're trying to like you know collaborate on some some drawings and stuff. So like little things like that. Nice. Yeah, that I can like devote some time to. So how about you? Before you crawl back into your cave. Yeah, before I abandon them. 14 weeks in the the fall. And they're like, where the hell dad go? I'm going to put you on the spot. Do you know how to say go big red in Spanish? Um, it ends in Rojo. I know that. <laughs> I would be, well, well, big is grande. Okay. You know? So, uh, go, I don't know. Vamanos maybe. Vamanos like come along. Okay. So, yeah. Vamanos so, grande Roja. Yeah. yeah Rojo. Something like that. Nice. You could probably cobble it together. That's going to be the name of our, our podcast. Uh, <laughs> when, <laughs> when we, when we translate yeah. it in <laughs> and, and start airing uh, around the world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So in this off season, we're doing some updates around our house and we had our entire main floor painted and then we had our upstairs hallways painted. And so we also decided to go through and replace all the blinds in our home. And I took that on on myself as opposed to hiring someone out to like measure the blinds and order the blinds and then have those installed. We, we found out that we could save a significant amount of cheddar by doing it ourselves. Yeah. And I had this realization that I'm definitely in my 30s because my definition of a good screw has changed. (laughs) (laughs) 
feel free to just assume what I, I mean by in my late teens or my 20s what I thought a good screw was. And now when I was taking down these blinds and I was removing the brackets, I'd be like, man, that's a that's a good screw. I'm going to save that. And now I have a screw bucket. <laughs> yeah. Have you hit that that point of of like just adulting that you have a, a screw bucket? A ra- yeah, a random collection of, of just really good screws. Yep. Do you ever pull from them? Um, no, because I don't even know where I I lost. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have so many different like little like boxes and bags and containers yeah. and stuff. I I don't know where they all are at this point. I just have this this really nice bucket full of screws, and it it believe it or not came in handy. I needed a screw. I went searching through the screw bucket. Sorted it out, and I went. That's the screw I was looking for. <laughs> Validation so, for yeah, know, hoarding yeah. away. Twenties me is just so disappointed, but forties me is already thanking me. Yeah, pat me on the back. Like, yeah, those are going to come in handy someday. Nodding in approval. So my dad actually, when he comes over to help with any home improvement stuff, he brings his, but his is dwindled down to a Gerber's baby's <laughs> jar. So wow, it yeah. You know, He's gotten a lot of good use, a lot of it, good screws in his day. A lot of good screws in his day yeah. that have come in real handy. Yeah. So I'm just going to hang tight. But uh, yeah, you know, that's enough catching up. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we dive into what everyone is actually here to listen to, all all four people who tune into these off-season podcasts. And let's start with the beer. We've got a special treat from a brewery that is very exclusive. You have to know a guy in order to track this stuff down. Or my garage code and where I live. And then you would have access to it pretty simply. Yeah. Well, I know both of those things. And and so here we are. So, Drew, why don't you tell us, as almost the Willy Wonka of this beer, what are we drinking? Nice. I like that. Willy Wonka of the beer. Um, so this I call this one Happy Chappy. Perfect name. Um, yeah. It's just like a, it's just a simple, it was going to be just a, a bitter, like a, you know, an, an extra special bitter pale L's type. Um, I went out to Patriot Homebrew, which is a phenomenal homebrew store out in Elkhorn. If you've never been there, absolutely recommend it. They've got um, everything you could ever want as far as homebrew goes. Um, and they also brew on yeah. site, so you can sample some beers that they make. You can take classes with them. Anyway. Um, I think they also, if you if you like a beer you try there, they'll give you the recipe, and you can buy the supplies there. Yeah. Yeah, they have all of it on hand, so you, could, great. you could copy in. So, yeah, so I love going there. Um, they didn't have the the base malt that I wanted. They didn't have enough of it, and I didn't feel like bothering them. I was just like, whatever. <laughs> I didn't feel like making them work for me, um, so I switched it up, uh, my recipe, a little bit, but... Um, so it's a little bit more of an American style pale ale at this point, but we're still gonna stick to the name Happy Chappy because I love that name. But but it's got Mount Hood, Liberty, and Crystal uh, hops blended in there, which is like a basic um, pale ale, uh, two row malt and some Victory malt for some character, and that's it. Just a hoppy little easy drinker. It's it's wonderfully delicious. It goes really well with just this kind of afternoon drinking vibe we got going on right now, sitting on some couches, talking some football. It really just it hits the spot. Man, it's when I think of beer, this kind of encapsulates that base flavor profile without trying to overdo anything, but it also doesn't under deliver. It just gives you that really great multi bitter beer taste. Yeah, thanks. I I mean, this is one that I I enjoy. I was I'm happy with the way it turned out. So the fun thing about home brewing is you never quite know what you're gonna get. Yeah. Um, beer There's, or botulism yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a very broad spectrum of results there right. and so this time we were lucky enough to end up with beer i haven't gotten sick off of this one <laughs> so say, we'll see <laughs> we'll, we'll find out but yeah oh and then the yeast the yeast that i used to i guess that's an important ingredient um, yeah. i stuck with a pub pub yeast from it's an imperial yeast 
um, just to try to keep that that sort of British ale characteristic yeah. um, taste. So this this yeah. beer reminds me of when characters in TV or movies go into a pub and they just say two beers, please, and then they just pour a beer. Like mm-hmm. it 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 just delivers on that promise. Yeah, which I think is really nice. It's a beer's beer. Yeah, so, which really is what is. I was going for. I was trying to find balance, and so this is a fun recipe that I'll probably like continue to tweak. Mm-hmm. I might go back and try it with the Maris Otter malt that I originally had intended, just to see how different it ends up sure. being. So yeah, I should also say that while you were detailing a lot of those ingredients, it was like you were speaking Spanish to me. I don't know what any I'll of say that means, language. <laughs> but I love it. <laughs> It's it's so nice to know like what goes into it and that and that detail that you're putting into it as you're developing these recipes that like there is such a minor difference on the recipe side that makes a major difference in the finished product. Mm-hmm. Um, if you continue to tweak this, I will continue to drink this because I think this is just like I said, it's a great beer. Super, thanks, man. I'm yeah, happy to happy to share. It. That's the best part, honestly. Yeah, is brewing a beer and getting to let other people try it. Absolutely, so, that's yeah. the that's the creative mind at work, right? It's not necessarily about doing it for yourself it's you're doing it for others you want to get that out there and and whether it's podcasting beer making writing drawing painting whatever it happens to be any of those creative endeavors even playing football i mean it's about getting to share those opportunities with others so yeah that's why we do it yeah speaking of football and sharing it with others yeah nebraska did that they sure did they had the annual spring game which took place over the weekend and i've got some thoughts and i'm sure you do too but i I want to start with something a little bit more heady than what took place on the field, if you'll allow me to indulge. Um, yes, please. So this this spring season, we received the news that Xavier Betts is no longer a part of the team. And in doing the, the digging that you do and listening to the radio talking heads, and specifically Damon Benning dove into this quite a bit, we learned that Xavier Betts put a lot of weight on establishing himself not only as a football player but putting stock into establishing himself outside of football there's rumors that swirl all around about whether he was cut from the team or whether he was failing out of school or something like that but Damon Benning did a really good job he released a podcast with Gary Sharp and they talked through about how Xavier Betts is really trying to identify himself as an individual and I wanted to highlight how important that is and how much just I personally support these young men finding their way through life, both with football and without. We had a similar situation, although I'm not trying to imply is the exact same situation with Omar Manning a few seasons ago and going through his own mental difficulties. You have players like a Trey Bryant who get injured and they have to make the difficult decision to walk away from football. We've seen this time and time again at Nebraska, but what I really like about this coaching staff, it feels like this coaching staff is here to see these young men succeed. Period. There's no there's no caveat after that of succeed on the football field, succeed in school. They they are standing behind the promise that they're making to the parents, the grandparents, the aunts and uncles, the brothers and sisters that they're making on these recruiting trips that say we are going to do everything we can in our power to stand behind your child and give them all the tools to succeed. And I don't think they finished that sentence with the football field. We are in a time where mental health is finally cracking through and making its way into something that we genuinely care about in young men and young women of all different creeds, sexuality, race, whatever, that that is so important. And so I just want to throw 
that out there that I'm so grateful for the way that this staff appears to be approaching this. I'm proud to be cheering for that team where if a guy needs to figure himself out, they're looking at that guy saying, okay, we care about you deeply. We want you to succeed. We want you to be the best version of yourself. If that means you help us win football games, great. But we're also not going to hold you by the throat and force you to do something that isn't within your own best interest. So I just wanted to get that out there and say that before we dive into talking about the spring game, because I feel like we kind of just glossed over it, which is something that can happen with with mental care, with mental health, is you just kind of gloss over it and say, oh, they, they, they just are going through something. And that's true. They are going through something, and, and you don't always know how to best support and best help people. But it sounds like this coaching staff kind of has that dialed in and really does care about the individual more than the player. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I appreciate that. That whole everything you said there, because um, that's something that that I think draws me in as a fan to Nebraska. Is it goes beyond the football and it's it's the program and what it represents. And so, you know, as as a fan base, you know, we we have turned our attention away from that that whole scenario. Um, you know, with the spring game kind of taking center stage. I think though behind closed doors, uh, yeah, this this coaching staff has not stopped working with with Xavier and, and helping him along to to find his place um, and figure out who he is and what he really wants and um, what he wants to achieve while he's at Nebraska, whether sure. it's football or not. So um, the the whole purpose of of you know a football program is obviously it's there to to be a football program, but they generate so much money and so many resources that they can utilize. Um, in ways that go beyond having successful athletics um, and having successful uh, just people, yeah, you know, um, creating creating students and and uh, community community members who can can give back. So that's what I think Nebraska ultimately stands for. Yeah. And so, and I think we're seeing that play out here. Yeah, we are, and and I'm I'm glad that you say that. You know, that's that's what Nebraska stands for, and, and it's easy to talk the talk. We're seeing them walk the walk through all the challenges that come from it. It would be so hard to see one of your best players say, I don't think my heart's in it. And to just be like, well, why don't you walk away and figure it out? That's not an easy thing to do, especially mm-hmm. when you're a three and nine team, when you're when you're trying to succeed, when your job is on the line, when the lives of all your your assistant coaches, families, that stuff's all on the line to to say to someone who could be a difference maker in how everything shakes out for your entire future to say we're going to figure this out mm-hmm. and we're here for you but we're, we're okay to cut time we will be okay as long as you are okay yeah yeah like I said I wanted to get that out in, in front because it's kind of been weighing on me and I feel like the conversation has gone away from it and that's okay it's a difficult thing to talk about um, but I, I just think it bears repeating and it's what we both I think stand for as well so uh, I'm happy to share that perspective on the air. Drew, do you have thoughts on the spring game? Switching gears to... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll step right into that. Yeah, um, yeah you know, it was, um, I think in in the realm of spring games for Nebraska, it was pretty pretty boring, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't, there was not a lot of exciting action or anything, um, but there were some standout players, um, at least for me. I know Anthony Grant had a, had a good day. He's one of those guys that um, I had kind of tabbed in this class and these transfer guys as somebody who I think had the potential to really come in and make an impact. And I think he, he demonstrated that ability with his, with his limited action. Um, I thought Chubba Purdy looked 
really good for a I don't guy understand. who's coming off of an injury. How does he snap the ball out of his hands like that? Yeah. That thing, he barely pulls his arm back. Yeah. He's yeah, he looks I mean, he just looks healthy. He looks good. He looks like he's got good command. He knows what he's doing um with this offense. You could really see between him and Smothers, I, I was kind of watching both of those guys. Cause I think Thompson kind of has I think he's he I think he's the guy. Sure. I think I think that that's he's de facto number one. Um but you could see uh um the different styles between Smothers and Purdy. Um they they really distinguish themselves in their play. Yeah. Um, where Smothers is is a run based, you know, run first guy, and Purdy's going to be the guy that's going to he's going to hang around and try to find the the open receiver mm-hmm. um, and try to buy time. So that was kind of fun to watch, um, and I think that'll be a really interesting quarterback battle with all three of those guys. Plus, you have a uh, I think Harburg and Masker are still going to be pushing these guys as well. Yeah, um, those were fun. And then, uh, not to bury the lead here, but Garrett Nelson. Oh my gosh, that dude. That dude is a, uh, he's just fun. His favorite food is watermelon. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) If that's not the highlight of the spring game, and if that doesn't tell you where the headspace is of these guys to go out and have fun and to just play a game, Mm -hmm. when she goes, you know, tell us, tell us something about what's going on. And he's like, you want to know a fact about me? Yeah. I love watermelon. You want it fun or serious? And yeah, because I think she asked that same, she asked that same question to Casey Thompson beforehand. And he and he was like, I just want Nebraska to know, you know, I'm a competitor, I'm a leader, and, and he, you know, he's a, that's just his that's his natural way of like yeah. answering questions. If you ever seen him do an interview, yeah, Garrett Nelson's, a, he's, <laughs> I mean, they're just different different dudes, you know. He's a yeah, he's a fun guy, but he's a he's going to be a great leader. He's going to be um, not just piling up stats on this defense, but I think he's going to be the really like the leader. Yeah, there. So, I think when you came out and said, you know, that it was kind of a boring game, I think the the style of play, calling it a thud. It, it was, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of excitement that was going on. And for Frost to come out, and I think during the, the post game, he said that they were dreadfully simple, only running inside zone on the run game. And when you have guys like Yant who don't get their superpower until after they've been hit one time to not get hit, there were a few that he would have broken for, for much further. Yeah. And he was someone that I wanted to highlight that he's had not only a good spring, but a good offseason he took advantage of you know weightlifting, kept himself in shape, and yep. now his his arms are bigger than my head. Good yeah. lord, <laughs> that that is a that is a terrifyingly big young man running that ball, and I think that that's going to be a really good one, two, three punch when you throw in Ramir Johnson yeah, as well exactly. behind Grant. Um, Grant has kind of that more vertical running style, whereas Ramir's that little guy who's going to slip through, and then you've got Yant as your wrecking ball. So I think mm-hmm. those three guys are really going to be a headache, but. Grant is going to be that annoyance for a defense where he's going to make you miss on your first attempt at a tackle. And that 60-yard run he had, he had two cuts in the backfield that were just a thing of beauty. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah, that was a that was a fun play. Um and I will say like I said, yeah, and and you touched on this. It was boring cuz they they meant for it to be right. boring. Um so it's it's hard to take a lot away from that with individual guys um you know, yeah, not getting to hit real hard. Um it's probably hard to find you know, a lot of energy or like get amped up for that sort of thing. Um, and then with the playbook, they completely stripped it down. Whipple wasn't calling plays. He handed it off to the grad assistants. Yeah. And so I'm sure like they, they were very limited in what they could actually do. And, and that's what excites me about this game is like they're not showing anything. So they clearly got something. Because if they had stuff on tape that they've had, you know, for the past three, four seasons. Sure. Let's just show it again because nothing else is new. Right. And they're going to be prepared for it anyways. But for them to hide everything and only show like minor, minor, minor flashes, 
man, that that has me excited for what is is being brainstormed. And yeah. for Whipple to be so confident that in his first spring game at Nebraska to be like, no, I'm just going to continue the trend if I'm not calling plays. Yeah. That that tells you, like, this dude's got some confidence in himself. Oh, for sure. Yeah, he trusts. He, he's like, I don't need the practice. Right? I don't. But he's going <laughs> to. And I think. <laughs> but I think that's also really cool, like, that he's he's allowing um, all those all those guys working underneath him an opportunity to to get their own experience here. Sure. You know, he's teaching them up to and. um I, I don't know. I, I guess if you're thinking in terms of like a work environment, that's the kind of guy that you'd want to be working for. Yeah, he's clearly got your development um, in the front of his mind, not just mm-hmm. the college athletes, but the grad assistants and the guys who are coming up. I think he still probably remembers what it's like to be a coach trying to make your way. And he's probably very mindful of that coaching tree. And, and you can dive into it. He's had a lot of guys come out from under him and have success. And he himself continues to find success. I mean, you would have thought maybe that his national championship in the late 90s at UMass was his peak. Well, then he goes and he has that run at Pitt. And who who knows? I mean, maybe that's we're the continuation of that Hollywood story where he just continues to climb and climb and climb. He's got a Super Bowl ring under Roethlisberger. So, yeah, this guy's confidence is, is one of his best assets. And then yeah. you hear the quarterback say that he also just loves to have fun in his room. To me, that's another sign of either confidence or stupidity. <laughs> and I don't see stupidity coming out of Mark Whipple. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So what do you think about how the defense performed? Um, you know, I, I really liked watching them. I think, you know, it sounded like in the broadcast they were talking about being surprised by how well the defense did and the, the coaching staff maybe was a little apprehensive about how they would look coming into it. It was. It's hard when you're playing against yourself. Where do you chalk that up? Is it defense overperforming? Is your offense underperforming? Is it the... You know, is it the environment? I thought maybe it's easier for the defense to be a little more amped up because they get to fly around a little more. They're not necessarily completely stripped down in their playbook. Yeah. You know, like I said, Garrett Nelson really stood out. It looks like we've got some edge rush potential here. Butler also had a had a nice yeah. game on the edge. Yeah, Jamari Butler, um, Caleb Tanner. Um, that'll be fun. I thought. Um, I think Tommy Hill is going to be good at corner. Quentin Newsom is going to be a dude. Farmer is is looking good. He yeah. he should have lit up Grimes. Ooh, you know he you know, wanted yeah, to. Yeah. You know that on that time, but that You're ball's happy bobbling. He, didn't. he wanted. To. <laughs> you're really happy he did. That was a that was a great teammate. But yeah. At the same time, you're like against Northwestern. Oh, lay man. the boom. Yeah. Because you had another another corner there who could have if that ball pops up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're excited to see. Yeah. See what he can do. Um. And then Nash in the middle at nose tackle. You can't move him. He's that dude just looks like a fucking brick. I mean, it like, oh, man, that's a yeah, that's a big dude who who's anchoring that line. And we've talked about like in the in the three, four defense. I know they're going to maybe switch a little bit more to that four, three front. But mm-hmm. um, having a nose tackle like that is so critical um, to the success of the, the defense. It's like the linchpin position. And it's going to help generate, you know, a lot of that edge rush too. Yeah. having him there. So. Um, if he can stay healthy, if he can get a lot of snaps in, you know, I, I think that defensive line kind of gave you some hope after a, a, an offseason full of questions. Sure. I think Garrett Nelson comes out of this season, the 2022 season, as an all-timer. He's got that attitude about him where he's really out there having fun. He's doing it for the fun of it. And when you have that go-get-him attitude and you know, you're thinking about watermelon on the sidelines. <laughs> I, I, I say that, but I also, I'm not, I'm serious. When you're, yeah. when your mind is just so free and you're just out there instinctually playing the game, mm-hmm. you know, that's where the best players come out of is because they've done all the homework. And now Saturday's about just letting all that go through you. 
Um, he was great to watch. I'm glad that you brought up Tommy Hill. I thought he actually looked really confident when he was receiving the punt returns. Uh, there were some long punts that he fielded intelligently. He let the, the right one soar over his head, and when he caught it, caught it there was no bobble there was no concern there was no nothing and he was ready to take that thing back yeah oh yeah he got that head of steam and and they had to whistle that back but i'm excited for him he seems to be someone who enjoys also just enjoys playing ball and we know that fisher is capable of of coaching the hell out of guys and his secondary showed off they had some great pass breakups they were in the right position they didn't make it easy on quarterbacks to complete passes some of the catches that like rollins and and barker had i probably just butchered his name because that's a (laughs) <laughs> I'm not going to even try to. It's, it's, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, they, I mean, they, they had to yeah. drop those balls right where they needed to be and anything else could have been deflected or intercepted because yeah. those those secondary, the secondary was in the right spot throughout that entire scrimmage. Yeah, and Rollins, Rollins is a guy that we haven't brought up yet, which is probably a, a mistake on our part because he, he showed up. I think he had the most, most catches, maybe the most receiving yards on the day. Um, he's a guy that came in, you know, I mean, you got Fedoni ahead of you. You've got Volklik, who's 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 really coming to his own, and um, guys like James Carney and stuff that that are there, who I think were maybe more heralded than than AJ Rollins ever was. Yeah, he's taken advantage of this opportunity with guys getting hurt, which yeah. you know you never want guys to get hurt, but if they do, because it'll happen, um, you want all those guys below them to really step up, and sure. he's one of those guys that absolutely has clearly has great hands. Yeah, nice route running. Yep. Um, he's got a good connection with these quarterbacks. I think it also points to um, how important tight end will be in this new system. I, you know, I, I don't know if we've obviously seen much of what they're going to do, but I think that tight end will be an important important part of, of uh, things and how they work and how they go. Sure. So seeing that depth there is good. Same with the wide receiver. Kamonte Grimes had a, a few plays as well, and he's, you know, he's way down there on the depth chart, I think, too, um, being a young guy um, who's unproven. But Sure. How excited were you when they were interviewing Casey Thompson on the sideline and they asked who his favorite target was and he said, "Oh, oh yeah, he, he's like, you know, you know, right? Yeah, you know, come on." And yeah. then Palmer had that nice catch over the middle where he had to kind of torque his body to mm-hmm. come around to it. You almost wonder if he was underutilized at, at LSU and if uh, if Mickey Joseph knew something that that LSU didn't. Yeah, I mean that's definitely possible. You, know, I mean, you never know what the, I don't know what that situation was uh, personally, but you can tell like. Even though, like, he didn't do, like, a ton in this game. You know, they, they didn't, they kept their, their quote-unquote starters, like, to very minimal right. snaps. But his, you could feel his attitude. You could feel his presence when he was out on the field. You know, he's he's loose. He's having fun. Um, he's a very confident guy, um, but Great. rightfully so. And I think, yeah, I think he's going to, he's going to be an important piece of this offense and he's going to be so much fun to watch the way that I'm thinking about Palmer and and the way that I'm hoping for him is Nebraska hasn't had that receiver that we go to in the clutch situations I think about Wisconsin's Fumagalli like he was always that guy that when they needed a third and long or something like that of course he caught the ball or you've got every tight end at Iowa of course they caught the ball I think that Palmer and Thompson are, are establishing that connection where he may not be the guy who is getting the ball every single time, but when it comes to the clutch situations, Palmer is going to get open and Thompson's going to trust that he will be there. I think this is going to be one of those offenses where the ball's spread around. I think that we've got great depth, like we talked about at, at running back. We're going to have great depth at tight end, and we've got some some real studs at wide receiver. With Palmer, I'm hoping that we finally get that guy where it's an eye roll by the opponent. Of course it was Thompson to Palmer again. Yeah. Everyone in the stadium knows where the ball's going, and yet 
they're still able to connect. I'm looking forward to having that kind of relationship, and I think a Mark Whipple offense can make that happen. Yeah, I like that idea. <laughs> I like that idea a lot. But it's, yeah, like you said, this does feel like an offense where they're going to want to spread stuff out. But if you need to funnel it to a guy, yeah. You're, having, there's going to be the dude. Like you're going to have a sure guy. Yeah. yeah. And having a quarterback that, can, that you can trust to make a difficult throw yeah. or to put it exactly where it needs to. And we saw some of those throws. Like sure. they were putting balls exactly where they needed to, where it was like, that's a tight window in the wind, yeah. but they were, they were hitting on some of them. So speaking of the wind, Brian Buscini is as advertised. Yes. The guy's got a leg. He can boot it. That first one and the, Oh man, the cheer from the crowd. Like you, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was a long time coming. And he, you know, there were some punts. I don't know if I don't remember who all was punting throughout the game, but there were some that were shorter. And it's like, man, like the wind really got a hold of that one, sure. and, it, and you, it leaves you desiring stuff. But it's again, it's April. You know, yeah. like there, and you know, sometimes maybe you think, well, it's a, maybe it's, it's the first time that this guy's ever been in front of a crowd this size. Maybe there's some jitters there. The, the entire state of Montana's population is lower than <laughs> Nebraska on game day. Yeah, right. So, um, yeah, he's gonna be he's gonna be a lot of uh, he's gonna be a lot of fun, but he's gonna be very helpful to to what uh, Nebraska needs to do on special teams as far as controlling yeah. controlling field position. And as far as special teams goes, you know, w- when it comes to place kickers, it's important to note that that Timmy Bleak Road is not here yet. Right, the yeah, guy that we we're all some, looking forward to, yeah, is not here yet. Yeah, we saw some misses on the on the field goal and the a point after uh, unit, which was you still like it's still a bummer. Like even yeah, oh even yeah, if you're back. Like you you still wish that because those guys have been in the program, you know, and, and a, you wish they'd they'd I, connect. I, w- I won't name names, but because I don't know them, the the kicker who <laughs> missed the PAT looked at his leg the way I look at a pitching wedge when yeah. I shank one. <laughs> kinda, he kind of re-swung it like, man, how did I make that go that far left? Because <laughs> it, it was, that wasn't a miss. That was... Yeah, that was painful. That was... Yeah. yeah. So yeah. There's, there's a couple other things that I, I was kind of looking at and watching this game, especially in the second half when contact started coming through. You know, we talked about the defensive line and having some, some faith in them. I, I really feel like the offensive line came to life once they were allowed to hit a little bit more and, and open up the game with with more of the running approach. And it makes me wonder if the defensive line, I think maybe the starters, the ones and twos, might be better than the ones and twos on the offense. But I think the offensive line might have a little more depth as you get deeper into those trenches. As you get into the threes and fours, they might be developing these guys on a more consistent approach. And 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 that kind of has me excited as well for what's coming up and and the coaching behind Rayola. Um, I think he's still the biggest question mark as far as how is this team going to improve into this season is, is what is our offensive line going to look like? He's, he's the most unproven of the coaches we've brought in. And, and if the running back game is anything to be taken away from the spring game, uh, Apple white is a great addition to this coaching staff. He's really got those guys running. Well, they're running downhill, they're running aggressively. And he brought in some great talent. Again, we talk about grant, but Guys like uh, Yant and Johnson are really, I think, living up to their potential and are going to continue to do so this season. But Rayola is still that question mark. How is this offensive line going to perform? And there's still time. You've got some of your best guys out currently. Yeah, I'd say Prohaska and Corcoran weren't, weren't in, and you'd project those both as starters. So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but there were some really nice looks that that offensive line gave where they were crashing right or crashing left and, and opening up space. Uh, but, man, the pass rush was just disruptive when you had your ones and twos in there, and they were making it difficult. And not not even in the sort of way where, like, uh, a quarterback could escape. They were just 
all encompassing and collapsing the pocket on top of the quarterback. Yeah, they really, they really did. Um, and that's what makes you so, so worried is that like, it wasn't just that it was happening, but it was like, it was bad. Like it was like, like they, they might as well have not even had the, the tackles in on some of those plays because they just kind of blew right by him. But, um, but again, man, it's April. Like you, right. you really can't take too much away from a spring game. It's a sure. practice and these guys have a long way to go. They still have to get through, they'll go through their summer training and stuff. And then they'll fall practice where they'll really, you know, start really to tighten hard. the screws yeah. and, you know, separate guys out and find out where they stand. And so, yeah. Um, I don't know. It'll be, it'll be fun to see, you know, what this offense really looks like by the time they, uh, open up with Northwestern and, you know, to see how far, like you think about how far some guys have come just from last season to, you know, what we saw yesterday and, yeah. and you know, what that next leap is going to look like as yeah, they enter absolutely. the season. Absolutely. What what I know, and, and maybe the biggest takeaway that I have from this spring game is I'm never going to count a chin's defense out until he shows me proof to count them out because there's some really strong players like a Garrett Nelson, like the entire secondary, uh, Butler, uh, Caleb, uh, Caleb Tanner, you've got a lot of really strong guys and Chins has now continued to establish himself time over time and they've got four years of consistency now. So we're approaching that plug and play where if you've got the right body types and the right players, we can plug them in and, and continue to have success. And for Nelson to get home as oft, often and as easy as he did, but they were showing even on replays that it wasn't a matter of like broken protection or anything like that. He's just got some new moves that he's pulling out too. Yeah. So I'm excited for that. I'm excited for this defense. And I think that we got to see a little bit more of the glimpses of what they're going to be capable of, especially with some of those additions in the secondary and the, I wasn't, I wasn't like looking at it and being like thinking like, man, like I wish we had Jojo. Like, I mean, I do, I, was gonna <laughs> I say, do, but uh, it wasn't like, he's it, welcome to come he, back. He's if there's a certainly loophole. welcome, but it was, you know what I mean? It wasn't like a no. glaring hole. Yeah. You know, like I think like a guy like Isaac Gifford can fill in there or they can, they can make up for it in other areas to kind of like pick up, you know, that, that slack, I guess yeah. you could say. Is it Korlovic or Korvalik? Chris, Kor- I always say Klarovich. Kler- okay. Maybe. So uh, whatever you said, <laughs> him and Isaac Gifford did have some nice plays throughout the day. They were filling that, that nickel spot. Well, and I know that uh, Tommy Hill also has played some nickel in the, in the spring. That's going to be interesting. Um, Isaac Gifford clearly has some speed. He had a nice pass breakup throughout that game. So I think that the Jojo Doman hole is going to be able to be filled um, it just might take multiple guys instead of a, one JoJo a group. Yeah, a group effort um, from different guys, maybe even different positions. It, it's going to be like Moneyball, where we're not trying to replace the guy. We're trying to replace the productivity. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah. Does this spring feel different than any other spring under the Scott Frost head coaching staff? That's hard to say because that's such a broad, sure. broad question. Let me ask you this. How much hope do you have for this season? More than more now than I did throughout last season. Okay. Is that is that a result of it's just a new season or do you feel like there's some legitimate coaching differences that, that you're experiencing? It, it's it's both. And it, okay. it's it's I mean, it's like the no matter what happens, I'm probably going to be able to convince myself, you know, because sure. otherwise there's no point in fucking following a team. Right. You know what I mean? Like, like, I'm not going to drag myself through. The, I'll. I'm not going to drag myself through the mud throughout the off season when there's no reason. Yeah. Like I'll get down when they start losing games because they're losing. If they start losing. If, <laughs> there, there you go. That's the hope. That's the hope we're talking about. Um, so I always find myself like picked back up. I'm the, I'm the Kool-Aid drinker. Sure. Um, in the off season, but they've, they have made a lot of really great moves, obviously with their um, coaching hires, but then also plugging in 
players where you know they had positions of need answering a lot of those questions that that kind of give you that hope I'm not like I'm not over the top I don't I don't know if it's necessarily going to be like a complete 180 where they're like nine and three next year sure I'd be willing to listen to an argument (laughs) you know (laughs) if that makes sense yeah you know I I guess the coaching staff to me was incredibly confident coming in here in 2017 they were ready Mm -hmm. to turn the big 10 on its head and and just throw themselves and at, at this and say, you know, we're we're hot shit and nobody's going to be able to to tell us otherwise. And I think they've been humbled over the past three seasons, especially on the offensive side of the ball. But I think that they're now embracing that humility. And I think that Scott Frost is embracing that humility. And I think that uh, Trev Alberts has helped him embrace that humility. I think that that Scott Frost is is representing the leadership and I think he was doing the same thing under Bill Moose. I think that under Bill Moose, he was representing a, a confidence, and maybe it was a false confidence. A very a bravado. Yeah. yeah, and I think that now under Trev, there's this humility and this, we're going to work hard, we're going to outwork you, and we're going to leave the confidence up to our players. And we're going to lead through humility and hard work. And to me, that's that's what this spring felt different. That's That's how it felt different to me, is that we have a coaching staff that is excited by the hard work and they realize how hard it is to achieve what they want to achieve and they fully embrace that while also continuing to elevate their players so that that's just how it kind of feels different to me uh, it's not good it's not bad it just feels different mm-hmm. and it's it's something that I feel like I'd rather hang my hat on that than the other than the other thing yeah when you say it's not good or bad does it do you still feel a boost to your your hopefulness because of it? Well, I, I like having coaches and not bankers in, <laughs> in my offensive coordinator. And, and, and I've, I just, I like the resumes better yeah. uh, of, of this coaching staff. And it was a hard learn. It would have been, it would have been a great story to have that coaching staff all transfer and all win. And I supported it wholeheartedly, but it is also nice to see our head coach grow. For sure. Well, and that has to happen in yeah. any position. And, and, if it came easy, success. If success came easy, it wouldn't. It wouldn't feel great once it hits. So, I, I don't know. I, what was your question? <laughs> it, whether or not um, this different attitude or approach by the coaching staff yeah. has boosted yeah. your feeling. So, at the end of last year, I was still in full support of Scott Frost, knowing that changes need to be needed to be made, and and the changes came through, or or at least the the firing of the offensive coaches happened before the season ended. Either that was an ultimatum or, or Scott made those decisions, you know, behind closed doors. We don't know what happened, but on the outside of those closed doors, we were told it was Scott's idea. And and I support that. The people he brought in, I think, are great hires. I still stand behind my question, and I already mentioned it, is that I don't know how the offensive line is going to look. And you can't you can't have a successful team without a successive without a successful offensive line. You can't run the ball. You can't pass the ball. You can't score points. So that remains to be seen. It's still very early. But if he went through all the due diligence of bringing in guys like Whipple and Applewhite and Bush, I got to believe that Rayola was the right choice too. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't, it'd be weird to have like that, those level of hires and then him to like go for his fifth choice. Like, you know what I mean? Not to be able to find his guy who's willing to, to climb aboard you know, willing to 
assume the risk mm-hmm. of getting in with a with a coaching staff that has a losing record that yeah. you know is you know they're playing for their jobs at this right. at this point you know at least if not this year next year definitely I and I forgot year. to I forgot to mention Mickey Joseph but he just he already is like oh he's yeah he's he's brilliant um his attitude and his approach and I think what he's going to be able to do for his his room um it's going to create it's going to create I think a, a level of wide receiver that will match what Travis Fisher is putting out on the field. Um, and this was something that kind of hit me recently, like this spring before the game. I was like, man, like in practice, it's it's Travis Fisher's guys, and they're now going against Mickey Joseph and yeah. his guys. And like those battles, and we talk about like, you know, iron sharpening iron all the time, right? Those those minds, you know, those battles going on, those attitudes, that competition has to be just, I mean, just ratcheted up so high. So oh, that one that one has me excited. So so have you looked at it with this perspective that Travis Fisher is a guy that has been recruited and the SEC has tried to get him, and we've got an SEC wide receiver coach. It's kind of like we we got the best in the business, mm-hmm. low key training our guys. Yeah. And if that doesn't bring you joy, I don't know what will. Yeah. Like wiggling my toes just thinking about it for real. <laughs> Should we have another beer? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I got another one on tap. So Perfect. We'll do it. Let's let's have another beer, talk about it, and then wrap this bitch up. Let's do it. All right. So, Drew, tell me about this new red beauty that you have set down in front of us. All right. So, yeah. So, I decided to brew an Irish red um, and name it Drink Big Red, which, you know, Familiar the, phrase. the only fitting thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, most of my brewing decisions are based off of the names of the beer. You know what I mean? So, like, I'll name beers as I create them, and then I'll save them. I'll like file them away for later, and then I'll, I'll go back through them all, and I'll be like, that one is, has a fun name. I'm gonna do that one. So, <laughs> um, so that's what it was with this one. Um, but yeah, so it's just like a, it's just like a standard, you know, Irish red ale. Um, it's got like a nice roasty quality to it. Um, it's not hoppy at all. I, you know, I, I used bittering hops. I used some Willamette, um, just on the for a 60 minute boil. So there's no hop quality. It's, it's all, it's all malt forward. Um, but yeah, I was, I was actually like really pleased with this one. Yeah, you should be. So, so on this, on this one, on this beer that none of you are ever going to drink. <laughs> you might, if you I mean, contact me and then yeah, reach out. Yeah. Uh, this beer is, is has warming spices in it it has it tastes like christmas it's creamy it's got like i find little bits of cinnamon and little bits of clove and nutmeg and there's just really like campfire feel i mean there's drew set this down and we were talking you know without recording and just kind of chatting and i took a sip and then the entire conversation just (laughs) derailed this is a wonderful beer you said that there's there's roasted barley in this yeah so it's um it's mostly just maris otter for the for the base malt, which is actually what I wanted to put in my other beer as well, but um, it's mostly Maris Otter, and there's like I don't remember, it's like a 10, 10 or eleven pound uh, grain bill. It's got four ounces of roasted barley, and then a little bit of a caramel crystal malt. So that roasted barley um, makes up a very small percentage, but it still it comes through so strong, yeah, because um, it's it's such a dark roast. It's it's those roasting qualities that I think really just elevate the beer mm-hmm. and and you know it, it is malt heavy so it is going to be a beer that's very creamy it has a really nice mouth feel the bittering hops like you said i mean there's it's only there for balance it's not there to add an additional flavor profile it's just so you can enjoy that that malt and that grain bill 
but yeah, that four ounces in 11 pounds is it's amazing. It's, it's like adding salt to your food when you cook. It yeah. just makes the difference. Yeah, it does. It sets it apart and it, and it really defines it. But it's, I mean, that's kind of what you, you want in a beer is you want to find like a nice, I mean, you want to find a nice balance between all things, but when it comes to malts, um, not overdoing it is, it's sometimes hard because you think you, you need to throw in more to get it more pronounced, but a little bit goes a long way with certain malts. Um, and if you can find like the right base malt um, for your, for whatever style you're brewing in, and then just finding like these little combinations of uh, specialty malts that that can kind of shine shine through. Um, so if yeah. we have people who are listening, Drew, and, and right now they're saying, you know, this is this sounds really fun. You know, you've got how many gallons? Ten gallons of of beer in your your yeah. fridge that you yeah. made yourself in your garage. How how would you encourage people, or or what's the the best first step that you could share for starting to homebrew? That's a good question, man. Like so when I. When I first started, it was, um, I just cobbled together some equipment and stuff. Um, you, I mean, you gotta be, I mean, you really gotta be interested in what you're doing because it's, it is like, it's a lot of work. There's a yeah. lot of cleaning. There's a lot of work involved. There's a lot of, um, you know, fiddling around with recipes. So if you're, if you're on the fence, um, a lot of what I've heard people say is to go with like brewing in a kit or like doing extract brewing. I'm the type of person that like, if I'm going to do something, like I'm going to, I'm going to go all in, like I'm going to jump, like dive in head first and, and go all out. And so I went right to the all grain brewing. Um, and then I, and I've slowly built up, you know, my equipment and my process and figured things out. But um, if you're really interested, just, I mean, go out there. There's tons of, of resources online. There's tons of resources in the community. Again, like Patriot Homebrew uh, Supply is a great spot to go if you have questions or just kind of want to poke around and see what, what um, all is involved. Um, but yeah, so just decide what you think is going to be right for, um, what you can afford, what kind of space you have, how often can you brew, um, what you really want to get out of it. Um, piece that together and and then kind of go from there and see how it evolves um, with you and your interest. I think what's really neat is as we've talked to different breweries over last season and, and continuing forward is a lot of people got their start with some of those beer kits that you were talking about, mm-hmm. not necessarily diving in with both feet, but testing the waters. Right. So don't be ashamed or embarrassed to try out those kits and see if you enjoy the the process itself. Yeah. But I also think that the end product on those versus the end product when you do this this way right, the, the full grain brewing right, is is night and day. It's Yeah, I'm sure it's very different. I've never done like a like a brew kit or anything like that. But, it, I mean, those same people say like, yeah, I got this brew kit. Like somebody gave it as a gift for Christmas and I tried it. And then they're like, it, they, I'm it, it took off, right? Yeah. And so then they went and they jumped in. Um, so, yeah, if you, if you find that you truly do enjoy it, yeah, um, you know, you work your way towards it though. Like, you don't, don't feel like you have to get the most expensive equipment. Like I brewed some good beer out of a, out of like a, you know, like a Home Depot cooler and fucking, <laughs> it was shooting a turkey burner and some kettles and. But we had some good times um, making beer on it was, that setup Yeah, too. it was fun. And that, yeah, that's really all it is, man. I don't know. It's just, it's fun. It's, it's a fun process for me start to finish. It's fun yeah. researching beer, um, creating recipes, um, putting together the equipment, you know, scheduling the days, um, setting those aside where I can, you know, I can brew. Um, there's a lot of cleaning involved, a lot of sanitation and stuff like that too, that you got to be aware of. Um, a lot of work, but then there's a lot of like, you know, drinking that goes right alongside yeah. all of the work. And, um, and then like you said, at the end, you have a product that you get to share. Um, you know, you get a, uh, you know, I'll, I'll have friends over, I'll family over, I'll, I'll package it when I can and bring it to places. And, um, 
Yeah, it's fun. It's just it's fun to be in the middle of a conversation and somebody takes a sip and they're like, holy cow, like, you know, yeah. it kind of stops the, you know, sentence because um, they're just like, you know, blown away. So, yeah. Well, I, I got to say on this podcast, we've tried over 60 beers and this is definitely one of them. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I do appreciate you sharing this, though. This is really delicious stuff and, and, and both have been home runs. I'd be happy to to have another pint of, of either one of these. So thank you for sharing this and, and thank you for, for all the hard work that goes into doing this. And, and thank you for investing in, in the setup that you have so that you can share this with others because it's, it is a fun gift and, and it means a lot to other people too, to know the hard work that goes into it. And then you in return, share that with others. So yeah. where you could just drink it all yourself, but I couldn't, I, I, it's I, I tried. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard not to some days, but well, that does it for this episode. We want to thank everyone who tuned in. If you have anyone who you think would enjoy a listen, we would truly appreciate your recommendation. Remember to do your part. Drink local beer wherever you are. If you have any breweries you would like us to sample on the show, visit wannabewalkons.com to submit your recommendation. Don't forget to follow us on social media at wannabewalkons and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. We'll be dropping another bonus episode or two during the off-season, and stay tuned to our social media platforms for our official Season 2 premiere coming in July. Thanks again for listening, and as always, drink Big Red. Drink Big Red.